about uh, are you a survivor or an overcomer? Are you a survivor or an overcomer? And uh, I, I sometimes, uh, it, the way I see things, uh, it, it, the way God's gifted me to see things, is I'm able to see things that are problems for his people long before the fruit of it gets there. So prophets tend to react to trouble in seed form instead of in fruit form, which is good because then you can avert a lot of things. You can avert trouble. You can avert disappointment. You can avert lack if you look at seeds that are are being planted in the minds and the hearts of people. One of the seeds that I see being planted is a survivor mentality versus an overcomer's mentality. Many times we'll see things that we, you know, who doesn't want to wish well people who are are diagnosed with cancer? But if you're a believer and you've had cancer and you've gotten better from it or they they found that there's no more in your system or whatever and they, whatever, you know, you've, you've come against it somewhat, uh, you're not a survivor, you know. So I know people in the world are. But that's not your title. You're never a survivor. Amen. You're just not. Because God does not use that term for you. uh, Nor should you. And many times we'll start identifying with uh, people that we shouldn't identify with. Because our humanity reaches out for them more than our spirit does. So you always want to follow what your spirit is telling you. Versus what your humanity is saying. It's human to want to wish people well or sympathize with them or something like that. Or uh, if it happens to you, then you got to figure out who to where do I identify in my time of trouble, in my time of need. And it'll shock you how easy it is to cross over into the world's vision of what is going on in life versus to stay with what God has has ordained for you, what God calls you. God never has called us to survive. He's called us to overcome. So we'll talk about the difference so that you'll know the difference, so that when this doesn't ring true in your heart as a description of who you are, uh, then you'll know how to... Um, to fight against it. Now, why, why am I splitting hairs about, you know, people say, well, that's not important. What difference does it make? What difference in the world does it make? Huh? It makes a big difference. What you, your identity is everything to you. If you have kingdom identity, if you identify as a child of God, it's much easier for you to face everything that life has you know that that life deals out to you your identity really identifies your challenges in life if you're a servant of God and a child of God identifying there determines what situations you get into what benefits you get what challenges what what uh, opposition comes against you it determines everything and if you're not identifying correctly you'll wind up in these false false battles and false conflicts that were never ordained for your life. Number one, if God ordains a conflict for your life, you have already overcome by what Jesus did for us. So there's never any contest of whether you're going to win or lose. The other thing is that if God has ordained a conflict for you, 
he's working it out for your good there will be a fruit to show in your life as a result of it when you come through it and you come through it on God's side with the success he wants you to have you'll have the fruit that God wants you to have and you won't be um, uh, diminished by having come through a conflict you know how some people will say well honey if you've been through what I've been through you understand what I'm saying they make excuses for their weakened condition you know if you're a, a, an unbeliever every conflict you have weakens you it doesn't strengthen you at all it does you ever look at look at people say for instance you look at people who have lived in the world all their life and say they're 35 40 50 years old look at the condition of their skin their eyes their countenance versus a believer who's lived with God all that time and you don't tell me that see the the process of life brings with it the curse and it diminishes your your uh, vitality diminishes your strength certain times of life people have to worry about alzheimer's dementia uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, all of those things. If you smoked, you're going to get this. And if you worked in this kind of environment, you're going to get this. And so they have nothing to combat that deteriorating fact of, of living in a sinful environment all their lives and partaking of what we call normal life for people. Uh, you know, I can remember I had an aunt. She had been in the Baptist church all of her life. And people would always compliment her on how youthful she looked. And she she said, uh, she had told me one time, she said, baby, don't take up them cigarettes. Of course, I was a smoker at the time. But she said, yeah, them cigarettes, they put lines on your face. They put wrinkles on your face. She said, they make your eyes look. She just described everything, you know, because she could see from people that she knew in the world. And how they, that had diminished them. And so she didn't understand though the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to renew your youth and all of those things. But she knew that serving God kept her away from certain real habits in life that had a, a, a deteriorating effect on you. I mean, after a while, the human body gets worn out if it's not renewed continually day by day by life in the Word. And so we have to be careful how we identify who we identify with. Always identify with God's people. I don't care if you don't like them. They're your family. You understand what I'm saying? And and always identify with who God called you to be according to his word. Don't step over that line. So I'm going to give you a couple understandings of how to know the difference here. To survive, really a survivor is one who continues to live, just live, after either an accident, an illness, or war. That's what a survivor is. So a survivor is merely somebody who gets off with their life, who didn't die, but who lives, after coming through something that maybe should have taken their life or could have taken their life. It also means to remain alive. Survivors may not be in perfect condition. It just means to remain alive. You just have life still in you. It also means to outlive others in a group. 
So, you know, when you read an obituary, so-and-so who passed away is survived by, and they tell all the living siblings left. So a survivor really is some somebody who miraculously is left over after they should have died. That's the simplest, simplest. Now, that's not you. Is that you? You tell me. if Now, if I'm lying, tell me. You know what I'm saying? But tell me, is that you? Let me tell you why that's not you, basically, is you were never ordained to die at that time anyway. So how can you survive something you weren't ordained to have happen to you? I'm going to say it again. That was not your time. God did not call you to die at that time. So you didn't survive anything. Because it was never slated for you to die at that time. You understand what I'm saying? So you just happen to be in that place with them other people. But you're not a survivor. Amen. You're ordained to do something else with your life. So don't ever identify with that. Let me tell you why it's it's bad to identify with survivors. There is something called survivor guilt that people have. See, if if you merely survive something... That means you got off with your life, but everything else of that that happening is still with you. Like people who survive war have what they call now PTSD. And so there's remnants of that conflict left in your soul. So you just survived. You just got away with your life, but then you have all these other deficits as well. You could be injured. You could be an injured survivor and have pain in certain areas of your life all your life. You still have remembrances and remnants of those actually working in your physical body now. So surviving isn't isn't what God has ordained. Why would he spare us and let us live with ill effects from a trauma all the rest of our lives? You see? Your life is is only worth what it is as far as as what you can enjoy of it. So if you can't really enjoy your life the way you would had you not had that happen to you, see? So an overcomer is somebody who doesn't merely survive, but they come out of these conflicts and don't smell like smoke. You don't even know when you've been, been through anything. You can come to the altar and get any kind of... Uh, um, Anything that was deposited in your soul as the, uh, from the effects of any kind of traumatic situation, you can have that removed because Jesus said he comes to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal all of our wounds. He heals and he restores. He restores your soul. You don't have to have a tormented soul from difficult situations. You can live as a new creature with old things passed away and everything's become new. But you can't call yourself a survivor and get that. You have to call yourself something different. I mean, y'all can wear your pink ribbons on. You understand what I'm saying? A little breast cancer Wear it if you want to, but I'd rather wear the 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 sign of an overcomer. You understand what I'm saying? I'd rather go down fighting for Jesus and know that I don't have to be uh, stuck with some kind of tag for the rest of my life. Get together and have a march, have a run. Pretty soon you're gonna be worshiping cancer, and you don't even realize you crossed over the line. Because see, when it's under your feet, 
You don't have any recollection of it. You don't see it. It's just under your feet. But if you elevate it up, then you give it status in your life. You got me? You have to watch what you, you have to watch how you do these things, folks. A survivor could be somebody. Say, for instance, you're in a church and it splits, but you remain a, a member. You survive the church split, but what's left of your spiritual life? Is it everybody now wounded and hurt because people left and there was a conflict in the church? I mean, what remains after you survive something? So we have to live in the remnants of a survival situation or we can demand a new life and overcome if we stay with what God wants us to do in these situations. You can do more than survive. You know, if, if you survive a, a split in the family, oh, you know, a parent's divorce and they split up the household and left, well, what was left? Well, we couldn't get on our feet for years and life was never the same after that happened. You got me? And, and so, yeah, you survived, but what came with you? That's the whole issue. You know, it's just, you just got out of there with what you were wearing and that's all, but there was loss there. Overcomers don't suffer loss. Overcomers don't suffer lack. Overcomers get complete recovery of what was taken away from them because God has prepared and planned for that for us. We're not just merely to survive. Survivors don't have often have many answers because typically to survive means you made it somehow you don't know how and you don't know why some people you know like some of the people who survived after 9-11 couldn't figure out why their co-worker died that day and why they were left the next day and so forth and so on and they live forever with survivor's guilt they live depressed they live uh, uh, withdrawn from society there's all kinds of other problems that can come with it so you may not be aware how of, of how or why you made it through something if you don't have a knowledge of God those questions will never get answered and they haunt you all the time why is it because the devil really is mad because somehow you did escape because he meant to kill you and so what he'll do is he'll follow you and retaliate against you because you made it, but look at you. Huh? You're still alive, but look, you don't even know what you're here for. You don't even know what you you know, why did you survive and why did they die? They weren't any better than you were. And see, if you don't go to God and get some of that answered, you'll have a, a diminished life. So you can survive. But do you have the abundant life God ordained for you? Do you have an understanding of what it means to come out of something and not smell of smoke and not have any remnants left of that thing on you? I was ministering to somebody, a, a, a very accomplished woman of God um, in, in one of the healing schools. It's been maybe like three, three conferences ago she came. And she could barely walk straight. And she would sit in all the meetings. And I, when the first day I, I saw her, I said, I said, sis, how you been doing? I said, it's good to see you. I ain't seen you in the coon's age. And, and I noticed that she was not well. 
And uh, she said, I just am so glad to be here. I haven't been in one of your meetings in so long. I said, well, come sit on the front. You know how we do. You know, you know what I'm saying. You honor people. And I'm glad I did because God had me pay attention to her throughout the meetings when we came to the healing school. And she came to every single service and came to the healing school. And uh, I was ministering to her um, at the altar. And I was telling her I said well tell me what happened to you and she was telling me she had had an accident and so if you guys pay attention your destruction prayer has a part portion in there where it takes authority over accidents and all the remnants of accidents all the spirits that come into your life as a result of accidents infirmity weakness suicide depression all of those will come into your soul when you are traumatized. That's why trauma is so bad for people. But as believers, we can root those things out. And we root them out of other people. And she was saying, I just can't figure out. Now, she's one of these ministers. that She ministers prophetically in her healing to people off and on through the word of knowledge. And see, when you have a skill and a gift... Sometimes that can be your undoing because you you wonder why it doesn't work on you like it works on other people so well. And so when I explained to her what had happened to her and she said, she said, oh, I remember when that came into my life. She said, it's been since that car accident. She had a car accident 20 years ago. And over the years, her health, physical health had continually gone downhill and she had had back problems all that time. And and so the Lord showed me that that the devil was trying to uh, get her afraid. I said, I said, is, is I said, is there a spirit that tells you you're going to fall and you're going to hurt yourself? Even she said, yes, there is. I said, well, that's the retaliation devil. It's come to make you feel like he's got control over you. I said, because he's mad because he didn't kill you the first time he jumped in your life. And so after that, see, a lot of people you can't give that kind of understanding to. But see, God will honor you as a person and how you've worked to understand how, how to help people and how to minister by talking to you on your level to get you healed. You see what I'm saying? And so he was able to take what she understood about inner healing and, and soul restoration and let her apply that to her own life. And it made sense to her. And she stood straight up and she said, I'm healed and stood straight up for the first time in many years because she got understanding of how not to be merely a survivor, to be an overcomer. She was determined to overcome this thing. And so you know how ministers are. A lot of times they'll need help and won't go to somebody else's meeting. So I knew what a challenge it was for her to come in somebody else's meeting and sit until she got God to move for her. And move he did. He never disappoints us. But see, there are things that happen in the survivor mentality that are very traumatic for us. I, I don't really think people need to go around and continue to tell their story. You understand what I'm saying? I, I believe that if God wants you to share testimony that's going to help somebody, he lets you know it. He opens a door and you do it by unction. You don't just go around talking about things, bad things that happen to you every time you get an audience to do it. You know, almost every time. Now, I know we used to do that years ago in the church. 
we would find people that we thought had real good testimony. Everybody invited them to their meeting because this was something where we knew God did something. But I think more and more those those times are over because people did not benefit as much as we thought they would benefit from it. Because many times the enemy would get involved in your words and you would sit up there and you start talking and talking and talking about how bad it was until pretty soon you could feel the anointing in the room start out here and go down there and go down there and go down there because the enemy likes to brag about what he did to you too. You see what I'm saying? So you have to give your testimony by unction by demand of the holy spirit you know well we didn't know any better we just liked hearing good stories about what god could do for people but they weren't always a blessing to the hearers because they weren't always needed at that time i know i've shared things about my life often because i'm a preacher but i only share the things hopefully god wants me to share because it gets to be a place where you can you can tear other people down because there's always a negative aspect in a testimony. You know what somebody did bad to you. And then pretty soon you begin to stigmatize that person as a bad person in your life. You understand why it's not fair to them. And so we, we you have to even be careful about your testimony sometimes. But God wants us all to have a good testimony. He wants us to have a testimony of victory. Not just survivorhood. Amen. Not just surviving. So if you don't have a knowledge of God, you will be haunted and puzzled by why you survived and why you didn't get killed when your best friend was killed or whatever happened. Amen. So <clears throat> many times that is a problem in itself for people who live in a survivor mentality. They've even had a TV show called Survivor. Now, there's nothing legitimate about that show. Because they make up these artificial scenarios and put people in them and have you struggle and keep a camera on you all the time. I mean, how fake can it be if you, you mean really? So really this, this concept of surviving has taken on kind of a life of its own if you look at it. Because it's so much the enemy wants to drop it into your mind. Not that you can overcome him, but he's got so much power, you barely escape with your life. You got me? And that's not you. That's not the child of God. You, you don't, you don't deal with a devil who has so much power, you barely, you barely escape by the skin of your teeth. Amen. You know God will come and rescue you. You know any situation you get in, you are healed. If there's sickness there, if, and he will always deliver. He hears the cry of the righteous and he is there to deliver you at all times. So many times people are, they join survivor clubs now uh, where, you know, we have self-help groups and support groups to beat the man. You know, the first self-help group they had was AA. And, you know, every time somebody comes out with something that helps people, you get all these copycat groups that come around that just sit around and talk about their problems and so when you understand that there is this community survivor community out there that people are eager to join they want to join they oh you got to sell your cancer survivors you know is this is a proud club why is it 
I'd like to kill cancer and, and eradicate it. So you have to get out and, and learn how to be an overcomer if you're going to do any good. Many times survivor groups don't allow people to break out of that identity. It keeps you in that identity. And so you have to be very, very cautious about getting involved in these things. Now, you know, believers, we can get involved in things and God can use us, et cetera, et cetera. But don't let that be our, your identity. You got me? That's not who you are. Cancer survivors have to be careful making plans for the future. They tell you you're not really yet. Well, go ring the bell. Because that's your last treatment. And they get all excited about that. And then as you walk out the door. Well don't get too excited. Because it comes back in less than five years. You're not cured. You got to wait five whole years of torture. Before you we can concern consider you to be cured. Amen. But God says what? That by his stripes you're already healed. You were never sick to begin with. Amen. You're always healed. So you have to be careful about your identity, getting involved with things. And I know sometimes we have to go to hospitals and doctors and take treatment, but that's not your identity. When you go in there, you're healed. As they're treating you, you're healed. When you come out, you're healed. You've never not been healed throughout this whole process. And so a healed person is an overcomer, somebody who has already overcome, and they're walking through the process of realizing it. That's all that's happening. If you are an overcomer, what does that mean? An overcomer is one who succeeds in dealing with or gaining control of some problem or difficulty. So a survivor is somebody who got off with their life. They don't know how, barely escaped. I'm glad that's over. But an overcomer is somebody who has dealt successfully with it and controls it now. So if you have to have cancer treatment as an overcomer, you control cancer. It doesn't control you. If you as an overcomer, if it's a, a, a broken limb, you control that limb now. It doesn't control you. That doesn't that leg doesn't define you as being limited with it in any way. So an overcomer is one who confronts adversity, grabs it by the throat and masters it and compels it to obey them. So really, if you're an overcomer, you were an overcomer from the beginning when it first attacked you and it never had authority over you to begin with. So you were able through mastery. What is mastery? That's learning how to speak the word to this thing. Learning how to increase your faith against it. Learning how to speak against it. Learning how to stand against it. Learning how to plead the blood. And know that that blood has made atonement for anything that's wrong in your life. And you will come out on the winning end of this thing more than victorious. You don't even look like you had any chemo or radiation. You don't even look like there are people that I, I just always like the the testimonies of Christians and, and they'll they'll say things. You know what? I told the devil, you took my hair. You're going to give me better hair, longer hair, more hair than I had to begin with. And some of them had this. I never have to curl this stuff. I don't have any problems with it. All I have to do is wash it and shake it out and let it go. Why? Because they're overcomers. They grab that cancer devil by the throat 
and made it obey them. That's what an overcomer does. It says one that succeeds in dealing. See, you, an overcomer is a successful person. You're not just one who escaped. You succeed in dealing with or gaining control of some problem or difficulty. For instance, drug addiction or alcoholism. They confront the problem and gain mastery over what used to master them. So if if you've had alcohol problems, you're not just a recovered, you're not, you can't stand up and say, <laughs> my name is Barb and I'm an alcoholic. You better not say that. You go to AA if you think that helps restore your soul and understand what 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 weaknesses you might have or whatever, you know, get some understanding if that's what you feel you need, but make sure you don't go in there and let your confession come into agreement with all those people in there. If you agree with and identify with that, you inherit all the problems that they have. Well, I'm having a hard time. I want to go to the bar and get a drink. And you call your sponsor. Your sponsor might be in the bar. You understand what I'm saying? So what do we do when we are tempted? We get to go in the word. We pray and we go into the word and we ask God to give us strength to resist the enemy who is tempting us. Amen. We can overcome temptation very easily and very quickly through the word of God. And so that's the that's the path God ordains for overcomers. You're not just a survivor. You didn't survive an overdose or 10 overdoses or whatever. You didn't survive a sexual assault or something like that. You are an overcomer over all of it. Now, if you still consider yourself a victim and a survivor, stay in the word. Stay with God. This is a this can be a continual process for people or a lifelong process for some. But stay in the process until you achieve mastery over that thing and it doesn't bother you anymore. You understand what I'm saying? You can get to the point where you're you don't feel sorry for yourself for what you've been through and you're not a victim anymore and you're not this and you're not that. You can be a total overcomer and get mastery over the devil and the things that he take uses against us because God has ordained for you. You were an overcomer before the foundation of the earth. This isn't something you have to go through like a a a, a black belt program uh, program in in martial arts or something like that. You gain a belt here and gain a belt there. You are an overcomer from the foundation of the earth. Day one, you're born again. You've already overcome. Uh, the 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 penalty of your sins so and it and it grows from there so let your overcoming territory grow don't diminish it by trying to identify with some people that you know you've been through the same thing they went through but you didn't go through like they did you went through with the uh a a a uh, guarantee of restoration you went through with a guarantee that you would not be diminished in any way. You went through with a guarantee that you would not be uh, overcome by that, that it wouldn't take you out. It won't kill you, whatever it is that you went through. You had that guarantee going in. It didn't just happen after you came out of it. So survivors don't really know if they're going to come through until they're through. 
All the way through it, they're tense, they're anxious, they don't understand what's going on. When you're an overcomer, you see the light at the end of the tunnel day one. You can see, you can see yourself walking, healed, whatever it is, again, you're just walking through the process of getting there. You gotta take some steps to get there, but you know you'll get there. That's what overcomers do. And so when you know that you're an overcomer and you know that God has ordained for this, this for you, you don't call yourself a survivor. No, I'm, I'm not that. I'm more than a conqueror. God tells me I'm more than a conqueror. So if you, you can make plans for the future. The Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light and grows brighter and brighter until that perfect day. You should succeed. In all things. I don't care what it is. An overcomer is able to prevail over over opposition. Temptations. And debility or weakness. That means that if you. If you as, as a, a, um, a, a believer. If the devil hits you with a stroke. And you're left with, with part of your body partially paralyzed. You're able to get that back 100%. When you see people in the world, they get some of it back, but they never get it all back because they're not overcomers. There's always some residual left in them that they can't quite accomplish because they don't have that overcoming guarantee on the inside of them. Also, it means to conquer, to be victorious over. And this is who you are. You are one who conquers and are victorious over. Revelation 12:11 talks about how you overcome. And we we all live this way all the time. It says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death. And that means that you submit yourself to God in all things. God tells you you're going to uh, uh, be able to get through this thing that seems to be upon your life, you stay with God. You, you humble yourself to him. And when it says you don't love your life unto the death, that means that you're willing to trust God through it. Like, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not afraid. If you are afraid, tell him that. Please take this fear away from me. But I'm going to submit to this and trust that you're pulling me out on the other side. See, you never go through anything by yourself. And that's one of the great things about being an overcomer. You know, people who merely survive always feel isolated. They feel like they're the only ones, et cetera, et cetera. Just the thought that you're going through something can take you down if you don't have God in that with you. And so the Bible says he is our very present help in the time of trouble or in the midst of our trouble. He is the help for us. And so if God is the help for us right in trouble, we are not alone in there. And you know he's with you. You know his presence. You know he can talk to you. You know all of these things. And so just take it one step at a time and you make it through with God on the other side. In Revelations 2, 7, there are some promises to those who overcome. There's no promises for survivors. In fact, God is not even uh, interested in talking about us in, in those terms. In Revelation 2, 7, it talks about the different churches 
that are that the uh, uh, that God has a, a complaint about, and He talks about what will happen to them if they return to serving Him, return from their first love. So, one who survives the temptation of the world, going back to the world, living for the world, living like the world lives. If you overcome those things, it says you will eat from the tree of life. And that doesn't mean like one fine day when you see that tree in heaven, but that means every day that you live, you eat from the tree of life. You have eternal life working in you right now. All you have to do is stay on God's side and not side with the world. Don't start doing things that's in survivor mode. Forget about being some kind of a survivor. You're more than that. You're more than an overcomer. Revelations 2.11, it says you will not be hurt by the second death, which means that you escape hell and the penalty for your sins. Revelation 2.26, you will have power over nations, that is rulership. And you can experience that now. You can go in any place God sends you and you can minister to people in the name of the Lord and you can have rulership and dominion in that place wherever he puts you. Why? Because as an overcomer, you have mastery over all the devil's power. You have mastery over every evil that would ever try and come against you. So understand who you are. You don't don't talk about surviving. That's not you. That really is not us. In Revelations 3, 5, it says those who overcome the world will be dressed in white garments. Revelation 3, 12 will be pillars in the Lord's temple as overcomers. Does that sound like somebody that barely escaped with their life? Absolutely not. He establishes us. We are people of strength. Revelation 3, 21, we sit beside God at his throne as overcomers. So there's a high elevation in your life when you understand who you are and start living out that identity every day. You don't have to go down with the world. First of all, don't identify with them. Make sure you're you're in the mode of pulling them out of where they are instead of going camping with them to make them feel good. We live in a day of great compromise, folks. There are people that, that you, they'll compromise at the drop of a hat. Why? Because the devil is so intimidating to people. You know, he's always threatening us. If we don't do this, you know, and they call you names, you know. You're always a racist, a sexist, a homophobe. I get so sick of hearing now. I say, can they think of something else to call people? You understand what I'm saying? Give me a new, a, a new, uh, 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 slam. You know what I'm saying? Just be creative. I don't like that boring old racist, sexist, homophobe stuff. And so the devil is making up accusation now to hurl especially at God's people. Why? To see if he can pull you down to his level. So if we identify and we fight on his level, he's able to pull us down to his level. But remember that you are an overcomer. An overcomer has mastery over everything that comes against him. In other words, it doesn't tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. Amen. You never succumb to the tactics of the enemy. No matter how subtle. Learn to let God help you to discern good from evil. Don't always take what the crowd seems to think is true. You stand in what God gives you is true. Amen. Revelations, I mean Romans 8.29 tells us this. If you want to turn to that one. We'll read that one. 
Y'all alive out there, you gone to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's good to understand your identity at all times. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you know, when they have them uh, races for the cure and you don't go along with the people at your job, they're going to be mad at you. So just be prepared for the persecution. Well, that don't mean I go along with everything. Yes, it does. It means you're scared not to get mastery of it. Because you can't tell me that the the sympathy doesn't work to open you up to receive what other people have. You understand what I'm saying? I remember when I worked in, in hospitals, every week I had something. Whatever we studied on or whatever somebody came in with, I had that very same thing. Because I didn't have God and I didn't have the ability to resist and everybody who works in the hospital knows it'll come and get them one day. It's just the way they think. And so they're never surprised at what they have or what happens to them because they live in that environment of always having to help people and feel that compassion, false compassion or sympathy for people. And so pretty soon the big C comes and gets you and gets at your house too. So you be careful how you, well, how you, how you identify yourself. If you've never had that disease, you don't have to have anything to do with it. But see, they're pulling people into it now by sympathy. You know, we, we're trying to raise money for research. That money seldom gets there. Everybody else who's running the program gets their cut first. You, you never check and see where that goes for real. But yet they've taken up your day and your time. And got your head messed up with it. Amen. So that you can identify. So you, you stay, stay on your side of the line, believers. Just stay on your side of the line. Because compromise is the first door to you losing your ability to overcome things. You start sympathizing with everybody and, you know, oh yeah, we gotta do this with, I send, I send them money. I'm very glad to send St. Jude some money to help them little kids. You understand what I'm saying? You can support them and I pray for them. I send them little faces every month. So you can send a dollar, I pray. If I can send a dollar, I send one. If I can't, I pray. You understand what I'm saying? That'll help them more than anything will. You understand? Because that money can only go so far and that, that medicine can only do so much. But I know my prayers can do the job. And so <clears throat> when we start to identify Identify on the right side as overcomers. Somebody who can insert God into the picture so those people can overcome as well. And always pray for people to be overcomers. Lord, just let them come come to a conclusion that that cancer will not strike them again no matter what is told them. Amen. In Romans 8, it says here, uh, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that you might be the firstborn of many brethren. Is that what I want? Eh. Uh -uh, that's not it. Is it 39? Maybe it is. 37. He says, Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God, first of all? And he says, shall, shall persecution, tribulation, 
famine, nakedness, or peril, or the sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than overcomers, or more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, you come out of it, number one, if you're more than overcomer, has mastery over it. So if you're being persecuted, you have mastery over that. You can love people out of wanting to kill you. You understand what I'm saying? You can forgive people out of that place of wanting to destroy your life or whatever. I was listening to all this stuff about uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court. Uh, now, you know, people are, are really scared of getting Christians on the Supreme Court because they look at, they want to keep the ability to abort babies and really it's a big money maker. That's the whole thing. And they like to keep your tax money tied up in it, which it is given, given to them now to support that. Whether you go for it or not, you gotta pay for it. You understand what I'm saying? And so the Supreme Court has done many things and I've talked about this before. They have made many decisions that are strictly political decisions and they have nothing to do with whether or not it's right by the Constitution and certainly it's not morally right all the time. So and this isn't the first time they've said that a human being is not a human being. Got me? In the 1850s, a slave named Dred Scott, he really was never a slave. He was a free man and he wanted to be granted citizenship and keep his freedom. They were trying to enslave him because of the color of his skin. He was never, never really legitimately a slave. And they were trying to enslave him. And the Supreme Court ruled that because a slave was property and not human, those laws didn't apply to him. And they're doing the same thing now with unborn babies. They're not human. When does life begin? Well, it doesn't begin at conception. Well, when does it begin? See, they can't even answer that question, yet they're going to rule on whether or not that's a life or not. You understand what I'm saying? So the Supreme Court isn't infallible. And what God wants them to do is start undoing some of this stupid stuff they've done over the years and rectify this nonsense. Because they are not supposed to impose cultural, moral laws upon a nation of people who already have a constitution. We have a constitution that provides life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Right. You understand what I'm saying? It provides life. Right. Why are we saying it's okay to take life? There's some things they don't need to get involved in at all that they've been involved in. See, they've already been spelled out, but yet it depends on what party sends somebody in there is how our laws go. And God wants that corrected. God set this nation as one nation under him. He didn't set it up for us to do what we want to do here and call it right. That he wants us to follow his laws here. And so God wants to move and get that thing set up right. And I'm praying that he does. You understand me? Because your life will be a total wreck if we have reckless people always in charge of our lives. And so that's one area where we can all pray as overcomers and say, God, we don't, we don't, we don't adhere to this way of thinking. 
We want your law to prevail in this nation the way you ordained it to be and let that go. So there we have, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This all has to be done in obedience to God and his word. God loves us so much that he has given us his power to overcome everything that comes against us. And Paul lists all of them. You know, if you're going hungry, if you're naked, if you're you're threatened with death or whatever it is, he says you're more than a conqueror over that stuff because God has already ordained for you to get mastery over it. We were listening to that testimony uh, yesterday by Henry Groover, how he was uh, attacked by a gang member who had a knife at his throat. And God taught him to forgive people in the moment. And as he was forgiving that man, he didn't say it out loud, but he gave him before the throne of God. And the the the, uh, uh, the gang guy dropped his knife, backed away from him. And he, after a while, Henry was able to start conversing with him and tell him that God loves him. And they shared some things. The guy got saved and, and Henry was able to ask him, why did he not kill him? He said, all of a sudden, I was afraid of you. You understand what I'm saying? So that's more than a conqueror, folks. Where the one that had you by the throat all of a sudden is afraid of you and then begins to converse with you and receives the Lord that you have brought there, God sent you there to offer to him. See, most of us wouldn't even put ourselves into situations that are real dangerous, you know, and and for good reason. We don't all have that kind of power and authority. But through Christ... Communing with God, staying in contact with God throughout the whole situation, he was able to be more than a conqueror. The worst thing I think people do when, when they go out witnessing together is, is not flowing together. You know, sometimes a person wants to talk more than the other person. There's that strife or conflict there. You can't do that. And, and overcome the devil. You have to lay all of that down. And, and even if you don't agree with the way that person says it, God can make it turn out right. You understand? And, and just don't get involved in that kind of, of situation. And just let, let peace prevail and let God's wisdom prevail throughout these situations. So that was uh, Romans 8, 37. John, uh, 1 John 4, if you'll go there. John wants them to understand how to discern spirits. And he says, test the spirit. He says, don't believe every voice that tells you they are of God. Verse 2, hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come and is now already in the world. He said, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You've overcome all these fake spirits loose in the world. He said, why? Because greater is he that lives in you than he who is in the world. So this is your key to being an overcomer. 
is that the spirit of God lives in you. If you let that live through you, you will be able to confront and pull down every single opposition that ever comes against you in your life. You'll be able to help other people with that same overcoming power. Many times I'll see people, Christians on Facebook, you know, they'll be, oh, I'm, I'm a, a survivor. I'm a cancer survivor. And, you know, I want to text them back so bad and say, quit saying that, please. Don't lump yourself in with the world. Now, people think I'm mean. You see what I'm saying? So I know most of the time it won't be heard properly and it won't be received. But that's my heart to see Christians live out their true identity. Why would you identify with a lesser position than what God has given you? See, God's given you mastery. You have mastery over can You don't think that when when you're prayed for at the altar and the minister binds that and commands that tumor to shrink up, shrivel and die, you don't think that's mastery? You see what I'm saying? And see, many times the things that we are familiar with, we take for granted and we don't appreciate them. But don't let your head get soft and now you start trying to identify with people who don't have the privilege of understanding God. I mean, you can tell them about God and you can pray for them as well, but don't get on their level of of being fearful of some disease or afraid it's going to come back or they got to go take these treatments and then you you know, you go from the treatments over to the the health food people, you know, it's you got to eat this way and eat that way. And, and, you know, this, oh, the cancer cells die in this environment. It's probably should, but I know one thing that'll kill them for show. And that is the word of God. And see, that's what you rely on. Now, if you've got some vitamins going, they help you keep taking them. But I'm saying, don't you start identifying with the world. With their problems and taking on what they have and what they don't have. All that kind of stuff. Don't identify with that place. Keep yourself over. Because see, if you start jumping in the water with them, what's going to happen when they need a clean bath? See, you're in the dirty water with them. And if they need a clean bath, you're not out there clean where you're supposed to be so that you can help them where God positioned you to be. So an overcomer has mastery through Christ over those things that oppose them. Every single thing. I don't care what it is. I don't care how aggressive it is. I don't care how uh, it's rare. You know the devil knows what to tell people to really mess your head up. Oh, this is the most rare cancer that it is. I said, well, it's leaving here on a train. Because you understand what I'm saying? Because no, you don't receive it not for a minute. Don't let that, don't even let that word sink into your head. Oh, it's real aggressive. You, you haven't seen my God. Talk about aggressive, huh? He went to the cross willingly for me. If that's not aggressive, I don't know what is. So don't let these words settle in on you. Don't let the enemy change your identity. You have overcome the world. Why? Because the greater one lives in you. That's why. It's not about you, it's about him. And it's about your relationship with him. How much do you allow Christ to teach you, to show you, to lead you into? How much do you love him back even as he loves you? So God favors and blesses overcomers. 
those who confront, resist, and prophesy. So that's what overcomers do. They confront, they resist, and they prophesy. Look at David when he faced Goliath. He confronted him. When he when David went to that camp, he was just bring, bringing some lunch. His daddy told him, he said, go by the camp. Really, the dad wanted a report about how his boys were doing. He had, uh, I think, seven boys altogether. David uh, was the youngest. And, and so he's got all these boys that are in the service. And, he, and they're supposed to be in battle. You want to know if your son's living or dead. That's basically what he wanted to know. So he sends David there with the pre- pretend food. Just to get him in, you know what I'm saying, is just take this food up there. But he knew David was nosy anyway. You know, little kids are always nosy. And he knew he would snoop around and find out something and be able to come back. Well, it was a long time before David came back because while he was there, he saw something that he felt he had to overcome while he was there. He just couldn't leave it alone. You ever been like that about some stuff? Especially things that are not right. And, and, and I know all of you have felt that way because you pray regularly against these things. When you see them happening on the news or something, you're quick to, to bring them back to the, 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 the church so that we can pray for these things. There's some things you just don't let go. It's just, they're too wrong. And you know there's something in you that has power to take authority over and stop it, make it quit. And so that's the way David felt. He he came into that camp and he was able to confront Goliath who was running around like a boss, like he was running everything up in there, you know, talking about their mama, talking about their grandma, talking about the daddy, he talked about everybody in the family, trying to get them stirred up so they could do something stupid so he can come out and kill everybody. And so Goliath was what they called a champion. So a champion was somebody who they would send out on behalf of all of the troops. So this is already, he's got them in survivor mode instead of overcomer mode. Because what that means is that you're a soldier, but you really don't have to fight. You just send Pastor Shirley out there to cast your devils out. You understand what I'm saying? And so we do that. We're, we're warriors. We're so fierce, we're fierce warriors. All this stuff. But we'll gladly let somebody else get out there and do it. And we can stay home. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's what a champion is. He's somebody who will, they bet all the marbles on this one guy. You send me somebody out. Goliath was their champion. He was out there taunting him, them, and they could find nobody who would go out and face him for all the marbles. And so David looks at it and gets indignant and he says, who is this guy? Who, what is he, who does he think he is talking to God's army like that? See, it's your identity. David didn't say, who is he of him to come against me? He said, who is he to defy the armies of the living God? Huh? Do you serve a God that's alive? Well, I do. You understand what I'm saying? And so he did the first step. He confronted the evil. And that's what we have to do. Don't be afraid to confront whatever it is that seems to be threatening your existence or threatening your comfort or threatening your peace. 
You have the, oh, the, the one who's in you is greater. I don't care if your knees are knocking, your mouth is dry, and you're scared to death. You have one living in you who is greater. Amen. And has overcome the world already. Jesus is not scared of nothing. He doesn't shrink back from a fight. So David said first, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Then he begins to get himself interested in getting into the fight. And so he begins to to confront and then he begins to weigh how he's going to attack this thing and subdue it. And this is sometimes the, the step we miss as believers. We don't really thoroughly get the strategy from God, how we're going to do this, how we're going to confront this, etc., etc. I remember going to the doctor for the first time in many years, maybe like 15 years, and this was 30, 20 years ago. Oh, Lord, I've been here a long time. But anyway, um, but uh, before I went out of the door, God said, now remember this. He said, I can fix anything that they find wrong with you. Uh-huh. So he prepares you before you go out of the door. And the thought occurred to me, I said, I said, are they going to find something wrong? But it didn't stop me from going. You see what I'm saying? The word of the Lord fortifies you and strengthens you. Once that word was put in there, said, I can take care of it. That took the fear from even going to find out if there was something from me. And so when I, when I did go there and they tried all these tests and did all this stuff and, you know, oh, this looks suspicious and that, well, it always looks suspicious. The more suspicion, the more they can charge you. Amen. See, the mercy ministry is here in the church. Ain't no mercy out there. They want their money out there. So David then, after he, he assessed what was, was going on, what I say, he, he confronted and he resisted. He says, nope, we're not going down today. He said, now I can fight this guy. Y'all can sit at home if you want to. I can fight this guy, but you don't have to let me do it on my terms. See, your terms are the ones that God sets for you, not the ones that everybody else uses. See, David came in there with a different tack. He was using spiritual weapons and everybody else was trying to fight carnal. Well, if Goliath is, is what, what was he, 10 feet tall or 12 feet tall or something, his spear was like 8 feet long. It was longer than most men were tall. And so if, if you're going to fight with carnal weapons, you're already at a loss. Who can beat that? But David decided he wasn't going to go that route. He was going to go a route that he was familiar with that he got from God. And he said, I caught, I fought the lion and the bear and I could, he'd, I got experience with this kind of stuff. See, I fought stuff bigger than me already. And that's how I know God can help me to overcome it because I've already faced stuff bigger than me. Everybody else is living a little cush life and this is their first rodeo. He said, but I, you know, and I guess they thought he was crazy or deranged or something because he says, yeah, he said, I was tending a sheep 
And a, 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 a lion came and took one of the sheep out of the sheepfold and I caught him and I grabbed him by his beard and I punched him and made him let my, lion, my, my lamb go. Amen. And they looked like him like, okay. You know. <laughs> and then there was a bear. They didn't, that one didn't convince me. Then there was the bear story and he told a lion story and the bear story. And they say, you the best. So the only thing they felt, Saul felt bad for him. He said, well, take my armor, because I've used it before, I think. Huh? Sitting in a closet with dust on it. Just take this, go out. David said, I can't use this. It don't fit me. Hmm? Sometimes you need to get your own revelation from God. Sometimes your borrowed revelation just ain't going to fit your situation. So you need to get your own stuff from God. And so David was able to to maneuver the situation until he got peace about what he was doing. And he resisted the enemy. He told him, nope, you're not going to take me down. And he began to prophesy. That was the main problem. Goliath was standing there taunting him, saying, I'm going to do this to you, that to you, that to you. And nobody on God's side said anything. Hmm? Just like we did when they took prayer out of school. Huh? That crazy woman came and just because she was loud and abrasive and evil and angry, she got all the attention, was able to go all the way to the Supreme Court and get prayer taken out of schools. Well, it probably didn't matter a whole lot because people weren't praying at home anyway or in the church. So it exposed, exposed everybody. That's why God raised up this ministry. You know, we could have been a normal church, but he needed people who would commit to pray and fight the devil, you know, till they die. (coughs) Know this. Put some scripture on my casket when y'all roll me out. of. You understand what I'm saying? I overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony and still carrying the word. You understand what I'm saying? You just do this forever. This is not something you just do for a season. You pray for a season. What nonsense. But see, all she needed was somebody to confront her in the spirit and then ask God, if necessary, raise somebody up in the natural to put a stop to this. People should be able to pray anywhere they want to pray. Now they're wishing they'd left prayer in schools. Nobody says it, but schools are so messed up now. That's why they're messed up. Because, you know, you take prayer out and everything good leaves. You can tell they, they, they don't even graduate most of the kids anymore. Uh-huh. College is an indoctrination place. All they do is tell them how to think. Tell them to go out and protest. You know, let's get rid of all the old white men. Tomorrow will be all the old black men. That's the way the Nazis took over. You know, every 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 month there was somebody different they came for till they got everything everybody. And when they talk about taking your guns, they, they, you are next. Because you have no way to defend yourself. Period. And it's not against your neighbor. You know, when the Second Amendment was formed, that was to, to curb overreaching of the government into, into the citizens' lives. They were, they were afraid of King George over in England. That's why they stayed armed. And they say, we'll have to stay armed even over our own government. Why? Because that is your last defense 
against government control. And I'm not saying rebel against anybody, but I'm saying know your constitution, know your laws, and use your laws to your benefit. The right to defend your life should never be taken away from you. You understand what I'm saying? That's that's the first instinct of a human being is to defend themselves. When they talk about gun control, they're not talking about the bad guys. They're talking about the good guys. Huh? It's about you and me. Huh? <laughs> you know, people, you see some of these people that's, that's barricaded their house and got all the kids in there. Now, them people be serious about that. You understand me? They are serious about defending their own lives and their own liberty. And so it's a deranged way of doing it, but don't think they won't go that far. Other governments do. Look at Nicaragua. There's all kinds of communist governments that used to be democratic. And so it, it's not a, a, a far-fetched idea anywhere. Don't think you're safe because you're America. Amen. You're safe because you obey God. Amen. And, and let that be your answer. Let that always be your answer. Amen. So David was able to overcome Goliath. He got his own. He resisted. He confronted, resisted, and he prophesied. When Goliath started telling him what he was going to do to him, David said, yeah, I'm going to take your head and I'm going to cut it off and I'm going to put it up here. And he did exactly that. Uh, And he was the only person that wasn't shocked that it came to pass. Because I'm sure when Goliath, when that rock hit him in his head, he just thought he would shake it off. But he didn't shake. Amen. He hit the floor. And David did exactly what he said he was going to do. So, <clears throat> David. Acts 27, if you'll go there, I'll show you a, a good difference dis- difference between an overcomer and a survivor. And you can see how different it is if you go into it with the attitude of an overcomer you'll be able to overcome again some people survive one difficult situation and they can't survive anything else you ever see sometimes people will say uh i'll give you an example i read recently there was a couple uh that survived that shooting in las vegas remember the last one of 58 people got uh, murdered by that gunman they were at a concert and uh they survived that and then two months later they were killed in an automobile accident you understand what i'm saying so when that destruction comes against you that's an assignment against you period and if you don't know how to get under the blood and get yourself where god can protect you and understand your protection just being a survivor is not victory amen it is not victory so in acts chapter 27 you see the apostle paul has to go to rome to talk to caesar now there's controversy as to whether he should have done this or not there were uh, roman guards that said you know he would have spared himself this all this trouble if he had not appealed to caesar but he did instead of just letting the the uh the uh, uh sanhedrin try him and beat him and not say a word uh he just tired paul just got tired of being beat up yeah you know what i'm saying it, it sometimes you get whooped all the time you get tired of it nobody likes it and so he abruptly turned to one of the guards and said is it right to uh flog a man who is a roman citizen 
So he put himself under Caesar's authority instead of staying under God's. You understand? But God's sovereign, folks. You know what I'm saying? God knows who's his and he can reclaim you anytime he wants to. So this sets Paul on a journey that is very tumultuous. He gets in a ship with the rest of the prisoners and they're all being sent to face judgment in Rome. In verse 13, the storm kicks up. He says, a south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing then and they sailed close by Crete. Not long after that arose a tempestuous wind. And so this ship starts to be tossed and it's it's hard for anybody to get control over the ship and it lasts a long time. Paul in verse 21, they, they, he sees these men panicking. They're beginning to throw over all the things that are in the ship. There's not uh, much left in the ship except the people, maybe a little bit of food. Verse 21, he says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said this, sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not as a typical prophet. You, you should listen. I told you. I ain't got yourself in this mess. But they never tell you that unless they have words to get you out of it. Amen. Amen. Nobody's pointing the finger for no reason. But he has to bring them in remembrance how they got here. You should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss and now exhort you be of good cheer. That's what overcomers do. They bring tidings of good cheer. He tells them. Don't be afraid. Cheer up. You're going to get out of this. And he says, for there shall no loss be of any man's life among you, but the ship won't survive. So in other words, Paul is saying, whatever your purpose for this trip will not be realized. That's how close you are to death. He said, for there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve saying, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And also God has given you all that sail with you. Now, it's one thing to pray for yourself to get out of something. That's a survivor. See, when you find yourself in a flood, in a burning house, Lord, please get me out of here, get me out of here. Who in the midst of losing their life prays for other people? Overcomers do. You understand this is what this is the, what differentiates you from a survivor. Overcomers have enough pull with their God. Paul says, I talk to the God whose I am and whom I serve. He wasn't begging his way back into God's good graces after backsliding. He said, I serve this God. I belong to him and I serve him continually. When that's your testimony, you can plead for anything you need from God. You can ask him for your life, every life that's there. He could have asked for all of the the good things that were in that boat, but but they had already thrown them overboard. And so when you get to the place where everybody, and see, right where he was was the place to pray. Because everybody now was in a mood to listen to this crazy man that they didn't listen to at first. And so now Paul has got mastery not only of his situation in his life, but everything and everybody in that whole ship. So he's able to put, if, if there had been a Paul on the Titanic, it would be a different story. 
You understand what I'm saying? If there had been a Paul in, in some of these plane crashes, there had been a different story. And so when he had fasted and prayed for many days, he got his answer from God. And he was able to stand up and promise those people that they would save their lives. And so it says, he says, be of good cheer. I believe God that it will be even as it was told me. But he said, we've got to go to a certain island first. So when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded, found it 20 fathoms. And verse 39, and when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore to which they were minded if it were possible to thrust into the ship. When they had taken up the anchors, committed themselves to the sea and loosed the rudder and so forth and so on. And they sailed to a place where the uh, the sailors were able to start to, to sound out to see how close they were to land. And it says here in verse 41, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the part of it was, the, the forepart was stuck fast into the ground. The remainder was unmovable and the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So the ship broke into many, many pieces. The soldiers counsel was to kill all the prisoners. Now Paul already told them, that God said he's going to spare every life on here. The soldiers tried to negate what God had decided already. It's a good thing Paul told everybody what God had said. Because when God has forbid something, you cannot do it. And so when they got out and they decided to kill all the prisoners, and then somebody thought, well, we can't kill everybody because we got to take Paul there. They said, well, just spare everybody and see how it turns out. So everybody is able to grab a piece of board and float onto land and they were able to to get safely onto land. Chapter 28, he says, we were escaped and they knew the island was called Melita and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. So they were very gracious to them when they got out. So God made provision for them. They didn't have to get out and fight for their lives again. God promised them their lives. And Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire and they came out a snake out of the fire and bit his hand. And so the people looked at him thinking, this is how people's minds work. Oh, he's getting ready to die now. See, he must be guilty because he's a prisoner and he got away from that shipwreck. But this is going to claim his life. That's for a survivor. Paul's not a survivor. He's more than an overcomer. And what do overcomers do? They shake off evil. They can resist evil very, very quickly. They don't think about it first and decide if it's good or bad. They just, when it comes in contact, they just shake it off. And so Paul had mastery over that snake. He had mastery. Why? He knew the scriptures. The Bible says you can tread on serpents and scorpions. If you eat any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. That's for overcomers, folks. That's not for people who are just barely getting on and surviving. So then they looked at him. They studied him for a while. You know, people look at you. You just don't know who's watching you. They studied him for a while and saw he didn't die. And they decided, oh, no, he's not a he's not a, a murderer. He's a god. So one day you're a murderer, 
<laughs> if you're just a survivor and you don't survive anymore, you're guilty. And the next thing, if you can overcome it, you're a God. So you can't rely on what people say. People want to call you a survivor. Say, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I didn't just survive cancer. That thing is under my feet. You understand me? I didn't just survive a heart attack. I didn't survive a stroke. I didn't survive whatever. That thing is under my feet. I am a conqueror over that thing. Because I grabbed that cancer by the throat one night and I choked it silly. And I told her, you can't have me. Who do you think you are? I belong to God. He's the one. I, I'm who I, whose I am and who I serve. He has paid for my deliverance. He's paid for my healing. He's paid for everything good that's to come into my life. So I hope you're convinced now who you are, folks. Don't get sucked in by some of this stuff. You understand what I'm saying? You're not. Amen. You are not survivors. You are more than conquerors. He loves you too much to let the devil kill you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for understanding of your word. Thank you for the blessing that's in your holy word. We thank you. We honor you in Jesus name. Amen. And praise God. If anybody 